thanks to our sponsor, Avpoint. A 99.9% SLA means you're protected from power outages, bad patches, natural disasters, and maybe even a dinosaur attack. Does it protect you from yourself though? Avpoint Backup for SharePoint Online provides full fidelity backup and recovery for individual items to entire sites. Avpoint can run backups up to four times a day to ensure your data is secure. Recover anytime you want without having to pick up the phone and schedule restore windows. Learn why Avpoint is the Microsoft Cloud expert at www.avpoint.com. This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 346. Today, AC and I are going to talk about earnings and reorgs, recorded live Jan- February 6th, 2020. This episode is brought to you by ShareGate. For those of us familiar with ShareGate, we know they've always been about SharePoint and Office 365 migration. But now we've all moved to the cloud. Like me, you're probably thinking about how to scale your Office 365 to a full self-service environment without worrying about thousands of groups and teams popping up out of nowhere, aka sprawl. That's why the folks at ShareGate develop ShareGate Apricot. It's a solution that helps us automate our Office 365 group's governance by allowing us to collaborate with users to keep everyone accountable for the things they create. Their super simple to use, in-app experience lets us lighten our load by delegating group management responsibilities to users we trust, aka no more sprawl. Want to get your hands on ShareGate Apricot? Try it free for 30 days at sharegate.com forward slash cloud show. Back to the show. Yeah. AC, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm in February. I know you're catching up. You're still in January, but I'm here in yeah, February. I'm behind myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you oh, dear. So are, you're supposed to be ahead of me, though. That's right. That's right. So did you come back too fast? Possibly. Did you go over once, or once or twice? No, I came back the way I went to make sure I got the time back. <laughs> You always got to go back the way you came, or otherwise you have like days missing and stuff. That's true. It does happen like that. Einstein never figured that part out, but yeah, I'm yeah. doing good, man. How about yourself? I am okay. I was a bit discombobulated after my Australia trip. We had to call off uh, Montreal due to that, but uh, um, we will get out to our wonderful sponsors, ShareGate, another time. Unfortunately, yeah, I came back from Australia and was pretty messed up, so it didn't work out this time. But uh, yeah, I feel sad about not visiting them for sure. But uh, we'll get there. Yeah, it's it's all good. Um, it I mean happens sometimes. Our at least for me, my health doesn't check my calendar to see if anything's coming up before it decides to kind of decide to do something. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, exactly. So um, yeah, that was a little disappointing, but it's great to be stuck at home when you're a bit, when you're like that. So um, I know you had a recent bout of nastiness while you were away and can probably sympathize with how terrible it feels not feeling great while you're away. So yeah. Yeah. That wasn't fun, but it is no pun intended behind us. And yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. So no, I'm, I'm uh, back in action here. And um, it's been pretty miserable weather since we've been back. It's been snowing and all that sort of stuff. So I've managed to catch up on a few things and um, and get back on top of stuff. How about you? Same with you. I mean, I took advantage of the fact that we were supposed to be up there with ShareGate this past week and yeah. uh, take advantage of the fact that I was not there home for three days. I didn't think I was going to be home for. And so I got a lot of stuff done, got a lot of things caught up. 
and uh, just plugging away, trying to get some stuff done. I'm look. I am. I'm looking forward to. Uh, I, I've got two conferences coming up. One of them is uh, SharePoint Fest in Washington D.C. in a couple of weeks, and nice. actually in April. I think it's the week of April 13th through the 17th. And um, I usually do a workshop there, but I'm actually doing two workshops, but they're both brand new. One of them I'm, I'm going to also do at the uh, SharePoint conference in Las Vegas. I'll talk about that conference later, not, not today. But um, I'm teaming up with Mark Rackley and he and I are mm. doing a uh, workshop where the title of the workshop is moving. It's basically, I used to do stuff this way in, as client-side solutions in SharePoint, and now I'm supposed to use the SharePoint framework. And Mark and I have, over like the last, about a year and a half, we keep talking about we should do the one together because he does a session where he kind of does the migration and I sit in on the session and he's like, I'll point out stuff like, you ought to do this and you ought to do this. He asked me to do that. I'm not being the jackass that, you know, sitting in the session trying to control somebody else's session. He's like, what would you do? I'm like, okay, you should do this, you should do this. Gotcha. But uh, it's, so we're doing, a, we're doing a full day workshop where he has something that he's built and he's going to take it and show how to migrate it to a SharePoint framework solution and it's still like all jQuery and jQuery plugins and stuff. And then I'm going to, and throughout that, we're going to just have some banter going back and forth. But then I'm going to say, okay, look, you can migrate it, but here's what would be, it would be like if you completely rebuilt it and built it like a, like a native, like using web frameworks and not like a, like I don't consider jQuery a web framework. I consider jQuery like a Swiss army blade. Yes. Yeah, JavaScript library of tools, right? Yeah. And you're yeah. doing, you're manipulating things. Whereas with something like react, it's like more of a native based application. And so hmm. we're doing that workshop and I'm doing another one that is instead of using my, doing my normal like SharePoint framework, you've never done anything. You'll be proficient by the end of the day. I'm doing the part two of that, which is, um, it's called leveling up for the enterprise. And it's all going to be about how to write tests, how to do testing, how to use Azure DevOps to do deployments, how to use Azure App Insights to do telemetry and collecting a ton of information about your users. Oh yeah, a little asterisk, be careful, GDPR. Here's mm. the AI stuff you got to be careful for and everything. So it's really leveling that stuff up. So I'm doing both of those workshops. If you're interested, there'll be there's a link in the show notes to my blog post, which has, um, I've done little preview videos that are like anywhere from just a like one or two minutes to like five minutes for each one of my workshops and stuff. Um, the one with Mark, we did, we sat down when we were together in December at another SharePoint Fest conference up in Chicago and we recorded uh, the two of us talking about it and explaining it. So if you're interested, it's a great way to kind of gotcha. see it work too. Very nice, very nice. And did you, so outside of conferences and work stuff, you watched the Super Bowl, obviously. Yes. And of course, you know, regardless of the game, you know why people watch the Super Bowl, they watch them for ads. Well, the, the bizarre, sometimes bizarre ads, controversial sometimes, ads that came out. Do you have any favorites this year? I do. I thought they were pretty good. Generally speaking, I thought they were pretty good. There were two or three that got me to do like flat out laugh out loud. My favorite one is one that was actually not shown in the United States. It was shown in Canada, but it was not shown in the mm. US. Have you seen this one? No, no I, I don't, don't think, think so. It's fantastic. So Budweiser and Uber teamed up for an Uber promotion. And I understand why Uber didn't do it in the U.S. They got a pretty good presence in the U.S., so they didn't need to do this. But the idea was the night of the Super Bowl, if you used a certain code, you get a free ride. So go, get home from that Super Bowl party. I'm using an Uber. Gotcha. Did you watch the Super Bowl many years ago? Like around the time when you 
before you moved to the United States, but or after? Did you did you watch it like frequently? And I don't know how long you've been. Not frequently. No, not not. I mean, I, I watched the Super Bowl periodically when I was in New Zealand, but very rarely because it was sort of weird time of the day and all that sort of stuff. Well, weird time of day for you. It makes sense for us. But. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there's a Budweiser ad that was many years ago about what's up. Oh yeah, that was, dude. Yeah, viral. Yeah. So. They the did viral video, I'm pretty sure. It sure seemed like it. They had one that they did with Uber, and the Uber part was at the very end, just like get home, you know, by you know, taking this by by using this code. But the ad itself was it was a great like modern take on it. And it looked like the Harmer Carden uh, Microsoft Cortana speaker. Oh yeah. Going back and forth, like, what's up? Back to like Alexa to Google Home. They start talking. <laughs> and they're like, where's Dookie? And you've got a, uh, oops, sorry. <laughs> one, of, one, of our, um, one of our devices just kicked in. Uh, it's like, where's Dookie? And then you cuts over to like the, the laundry room and the washing machine kicks in. He goes, what's up? <laughs> they started going back and forth and everything, yelling at each other. And uh, it just, they just, and they all started yelling at the very end. It was hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. So if you're, in, right. if you're older, it's great. That was my favorite. Okay, that's a good one. I'm going to look that up because I, I vividly remember that video f- flying around the internet when I was uh, in New Zealand. Yeah, it was really good. And uh, what was my other one that I really? What about you? What was your favorite one? I can't think what the other one was. I think uh, Bill Murray Groundhog Day was really good. Unfortunately, it was for Jeep, but you know that was kind of like meh. Like who really cares about that part? The Bill Murray part was. Awesome. I thought it was priceless. I thought it was really well done and just just really good. Really, really, uh, or, or just a solid ad. I think Jeep actually did a very, like, that was very creative and, and, a, and a good call on their part. You know, Jeep's not my favorite brand, but they, they definitely took a, a slight step up in the books this, uh, this past week. Much like Mitt Romney. Oh, sorry. And um, <laughs> anyway, moving right along. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, it was, it was nice to see somebody. Well, whatever. <laughs> I was gonna say, nice to see a Republican with a spine. Yeah, no doubt. Oh God. Anyway, so yeah, that Bill Murray and Groundhog Day. That was. I thought that was probably probably the favorite one that I saw. Admittedly, that like I didn't see a lot of ads. I was sort of tuning out quite a lot, so I didn't. I can't say I, I thoroughly watched all of the ads, but that one for me was the most interesting and funny one that I saw. Have you got any other favorites that sort of stick out? Yeah, I'm going back. I'm, I'm scrolling through them really quick. I will say, I thought the the Google one, like the heartfelt sentimental one about Loretta, I thought that that was, I was pretty really good. Pretty good, yeah. Uh, I really liked the Microsoft one as well, in that same vein. Yeah. Just, I don't know, I saw the ad prior to the Super Bowl as well, right? Because it was being played before the Super Bowl, I think. Mm-hmm. And talking about, you know, first female coach as part of a Super Bowl team, I think that's what they're their line was. Yeah. Mm. And just a little bit about her story and stuff was was great. I'm going to put this in our show notes. I found a link on CVS Sports that has every single Super Bowl commercial linked on. It looks like yeah, they're all on YouTube. So when people want to take a look at it, it's all that they'll be there. But I think the other one that I I thought was awesome was um, yeah, the Hyundai Smart Pack. Oh, I hadn't seen that one. Oh. It's great. Sounds like something a Kiwi would say. Oh, he got smart. You can't park that day. And he goes, yes, I can't. And he's like, it was a whole thing about um, the car parking itself and can it fit in a really tight spot? 
Oh, nice. You can't park there. He goes, yes, he can. No, I can't. I got Smart Park. Back off. Smart Park. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, nice. You've got the link to like all the ads. It's perfect. Can't believe like go out of our way to watch ads, but yeah, there are, you know, people save, save up their, save up their creativeness for the Super Bowl sometimes. So did you watch the, the, the halftime show? Oh yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> so what did you think? I thought it was great. I'm reveling in all the pearl clutching going on and it's like, good grief. Anyway, I mean, yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, I'm not huge Shakira and J-Lo fan, I can't say, but I thought it was an entertaining, like, it was an entertaining show. There's lots of dancing going on. There's lots of, like, I don't know, flamboyancy and stuff. There was, I don't know. It was, I really liked it. I much, I'm, I preferred it over the last couple of Super Bowl halftimes that I've seen. I was going to interrupt you and say I wasn't a Shakira fan beforehand, but now I am. I liked it. I thought it was very much Miami, which is exactly where the the Super Bowl was. I understand some people flipping out, not liking the like overt sexual undertones of it or Adam Adam had more skin last year than either of them had this year. (laughs) All the conservative mums at home didn't seem to have a problem last year. Yeah. Jimmy Kimmel said last year, he's like, what can we say about the Super Bowl this year that wasn't written all over Adam Levine already? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's always, I don't know. It, yeah. Someone said, uh, I wish we could go back to the days of the Super Bowl that were a little, that were um, more wholesome and good for the entire family. It was a picture of Cher with that outfit that had like almost <laughs> hiding. Like hair. With, with some band-aids over her nipples. My guy, yeah. it's like, let's just get a Sharpie out and let's just cover up like three spots on Cher and like, let's call it an outfit. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Cher drew her outfit with a Sharpie. Like, yeah, I, I think that's BS, yeah. So someone like going, the NFL said, we don't want any more wardrobe malfunctions and J-Lo and Shakira are like, cool, no wardrobes, we're good. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. I yeah. like that, I thought it was fine and... I think that crazy guy that's trying to create a class action lawsuit to sue the NFL and Pepsi for $867 trillion. Like, (laughs) good luck, jackass. (laughs) Good one, dude. Yeah. Anyway. No, I thought it was was pretty good. And yeah, kept everybody engaged, got everybody talking. (laughs) Job done. (laughs) You know what I loved about the Super Bowl? This was the first time I've ever experienced this. And I thought this was so much fun. We have a friend that was at the game. Yeah, that's right. And saw him on TV. Yeah, well, after the game, yeah. On the East Coast, we shut the game off, like, right when the game's over, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to bed now. <laughs> People are either too <laughs> drunk or you're just tired, like, going games over, like, 10.30, you're like, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, so our, our buddy, uh, fellow SharePoint MVP, Todd Clint, was in the first row in, well, I'll let everybody go research it. It was at the, the Miami Stadium, Section 142, First row, which is a little wedge section right next to the Fox Sports booth. And when almost all of the touchdowns that happened in the 49ers end zone, which was the majority of the game, the ones that happened down in the corner were right in front of him. And so he was posting like pictures and Facebook live posts like all day, nonstop posting stuff. And I was loving it. His picture of that he did a selfie with the confetti blowing up behind him when, when the Chiefs won is he's a Chiefs fan was, I don't know why, but I got, I was so happy to see that. And I was like, this is just pure, like just raw emotion. It was so cool to see yeah. that. 
That's great. Yeah, he looks like he had a great time. That'd be really fun to go to one of those. I've been to two, and I haven't been to one lately, but I've been to, I've been to two, and uh, I didn't think it was worth the money. So, But Todd oh, right, got right. his... I'd like to go, if my if a team I really supported was there, I'd love to go. But I'd also like to say that I've been to one, just for the spectacle uh, of the thing. I did the 49ers and San Diego Chargers when it was down in Miami. actually met Bob Hope in the bathroom and... <laughs> Yeah, with all the security that was in there. It was just me, Bob Hope, and like four security guards around Bob Hope. He was like, Random. <laughs> Random. I turn around, I'm like, oh my God, that's Bob Hope. And the security guy's like, just let him pee. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah I wasn't going to say anything. This episode is sponsored by Raygun. Raygun provides full stack error, crash, and performance monitoring for tech teams. Whether you're a software engineer looking to diagnose and resolve issues with greater speed and accuracy, a product manager drowning in bug reports, or you're just concerned you're losing customers to poor quality online experiences, Raygun can provide you with the answers. Get full stack error and performance monitoring in one place. The next time you're struggling to replicate errors and performance issues in your code base, think Raygun. Head over to raygun.com and get up and running within minutes and dramatically improve the online experiences of your users. And now, back to the show. Okay, so back from Bob Hope. <laughs> Shall we move on to some of the news? This, this, We've got quite a stack to get through here and some of it's pretty juicy. Mm-hmm. So... um. Would you like to lead us off with uh, with something something around earnings, I believe, we're going to get into first? Yeah. Since we last met, there's two big earnings that have come out lately. One around Microsoft, one around their second quarter, which is late last year, so October through December. And Google or Alphabet also announced theirs. And the both of them have a lot of interesting information in them. I want to just call out a few pieces of, of both of them. We have links to... I've actually got three links to two bits of news here. On the Microsoft one, revenue was up 14% to $36.9 billion. Net income was up 38% to $11.6 billion. They, they were, the Wall Street or the street was absolutely thrilled with these numbers. They were very happy with how, how Microsoft looked. On the other side, or on, the, to, as on another angle to this, is a report from Google or from Alphabet. What was interesting about their report this time is it, it, disco- it disclosed two things about that we hadn't known before. So first of all, they generated a robust $2.6 billion for the quarter. For and Google Cloud. For Google Cloud, yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. one number. But the other thing that it announced too was how much money YouTube generates for them, uh, generated for them last year, which is I think it was $15 billion in revenue. Wow. Just in ads. Or not just in that, sorry, because there's also some other paid stuff with, with YouTube. But 15, Google was 15 billion. And then the other thing that was interesting about it, though, was that they disclosed their run rate for Google Cloud. And the mm-hmm. run rate, for those of you who aren't familiar with this, CJ and I, we've talked about this a couple of times. But the run rate basically is they'll announce like how much money they made in a quarter. And the run rate is how much they would have made if you took that number and you looked at it over the course of the entire year. So they announced their run rate for Google Cloud to be $10.44 billion. Sounds like a lot of money. AWS reported $10 billion for the quarter. And Microsoft had reported $12.5 billion. So Microsoft is looking much, much better, was looking a lot better or looking significantly better than both of those other two clouds in terms of the money they've pulled in from their cloud. So I find that to be, it's really interesting when you look at like what, when you compare the three different clouds and 
it always, to me, it seems AWS is, is bigger. More people are using AWS than are using Google and are using Microsoft. But when you look at the actual revenues that are coming in, Microsoft is pulling in more, a lot more money. I mean, $2 billion, when you're talking about scales of like about $10 billion, that's a lot of money that's being pulled in. Yeah, yeah. That's a big business. They've got a long way to go, though. I mean, if they're going to catch, if they're going to get to that number two spot that they've given themselves a target of, Google, I mean, then, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a hard task. They've got a lot ahead of them. I don't even know what, I can't remember what they even said. We, we talked about a couple episodes ago, but what they classify as, yeah. what do they classify as number two? Like, what is it? Well, yeah. rate? Is it customers? Yeah. So. yeah. The other thing is, like, Microsoft's not that, they don't report numbers in a way that are great to get an apples to apples comparison with AWS because they don't report just an Azure number by itself, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a bit tricky to get a complete apples to apples comparison. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's some calls for Microsoft to come clean with its numbers and say, actually, where are you? And, you know, there's a reporter, Dina Bass, I think her name is. Mm. She's a, uh, yeah, she's a reporter. I can't remember who for now. I was chatting with her on Twitter yesterday. We were going back and forth. And I sort of said, Amy Hood's too smart. Like, why report the number? Like, once you report the number, you've got to keep reporting the number. Mm-hmm. Why does she, she doesn't need to. <laughs> They're doing fine without reporting the number. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stock keeps going up. Everything. Like, what does it do? It just answers a question yeah. for you that you just it doesn't make have a bearing. Yeah. I mean, there Microsoft said 182 bucks a share as of this recording. And that's huge for Microsoft. It's never been that high. It's at new peaks all the time. So Amy Hood, if you're listening to this, I know you listen to us every week, of course. That's where you get all your inside financial gossip. Great job on not reporting the number. Although I really want to know. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm curious, but I understand why you're not going to tell me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So yes, there's some quarterly earnings. This podcast is brought to you by Nintex. If you could score an extra hour or two back in your day, would you take it? Because our friends over at Nintex want to give you a gift. The gift of time. Seriously, if you haven't checked out what Nintex has to offer lately, you definitely should. The platform built on Azure has evolved a lot. In just the past few months, the Nintex team has added new process mapping capabilities and most recently, a new eSign capability called Nintex Sign, powered by Adobe Sign. Nintex also continues to revolutionize products you know and trust, including Nintex Workflow and Forms. With the power of Nintex, it is faster and easier for you to configure, not code, giving you valuable time back every day to sprint it however you want. Test drive the Nintex Process Cloud at nintex.com. And we're back. All right, on to some Microsoft news. There has been some big moves and shakes, I guess. Is that right? Word? Some big moves and shakes this week from Microsoft. Some reorgs and some fallout of that and all sorts of goodies. Probably the most impactful one for us, I guess, and for our listeners who have anything to do with Office 365 is probably the move that was made yesterday around the reorg with Teams. Mm. So if you haven't tuned in, we're not quite up to speed. Jeff Teeper managed to take over the Teams team. It might be news that he didn't own Teams, right? Mm. I actually, I think like two days before the news, somebody was talking about Teeper and Teams and I was like, yeah, he doesn't own Teams. They were like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Turns out I was wrong two days later. <laughs> now he does. He was responsible for SharePoint, OneDrive, and the Office client applications. So like Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. Not Outlook, not Teams, 
not OneNote, I think, as well. But anyway, and now after the reorg, he's dropped the Office applications. We'll talk about that in a second. Picked up Teams and still has SharePoint and OneDrive. How do you feel about this? I don't know. I don't feel bad about it. I guess I'm kind of going between a... I don't have much of a reaction. I have some hopes, but I don't have much of a reaction. Because to me, it's just moving some chairs around. It doesn't really have that much of an impact. What I hope to see from it is Teeper's got the background of SharePoint and watch SharePoint grow and see how much developers really had such a big presence with or impact with growing SharePoint. Now, I know Mm -hmm. that that had some negative things. As we look back, we had some negative results from that because we were allowed, we being SharePoint developers, were allowed to customize the product itself. That is pretty much shifted to where now we're allowed to extend the product, not customize it, which makes it a better story for upgrades and hosting and all that kind of stuff. That's the way I think it should be done. Looking back at it, I wish that we weren't, we hadn't done the stuff that we had done. I wish we have what we have now is what we had back then. But then again, that may have hurt adoption. When I look at Microsoft Teams, Teams very much follows the same thing where I can't customize Teams, but I can extend it and add stuff to Teams that's much more conducive to a business app that I want to be able to build. Mm -hmm. The problem that I've had with Teams is that their emphasis on the developer story has been, from my point of view, very small over the years. They recently even just lost the guy that was like the champ, the developer champion for Microsoft Teams. He left and now went over to the bot framework team, which you could kind of see the writing on the wall that that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And there doesn't appear to be a individual or a group that really owns this story. And I, there is a group that's taken over his, his work, but it's really new. But it doesn't really seem like there's somebody who's like the champion of the developer story for teams. And I could point to from Microsoft out of Redmond on the, like on the product group. There's people in the field that do it, but there's nobody in a product group. Whereas I can look at SharePoint and I can say, I can rattle off five people uh, probably pretty quick who are champions for the developer story for SharePoint. I hope that Jeff sees this and says that there is a bit of a champion that kind of pushes this, not because I want to go back to the ways we used to customize SharePoint, but I want somebody to be able to do that with teams today and say, look at what you've got. The team's development model or, or development story, which is I mean, it's kind of ironic, you're not really building it. You're not building a team's app is not a team's app. It's really just a manifest file that points to all this other stuff that you could build that, that you can leverage inside of teams. Mm. I would like to see that area grow and be championed by somebody. No, I couldn't agree more. I think that's that's totally spot on. I think there's definitely a lot of benefits with it moving under him for that, but also for integrating SharePoint more into Teams. And by that I mean, you know what Microsoft shipping the org chart is like, right? One fighting, one team's like pointing guns at the other team, right? And it was like that between SharePoint and Teams in many ways. I honestly feel Teams was taking away the eyeballs from SharePoint mm-hmm. and that SharePoint were providing more and more un- of the underlying services for Teams, but were no longer the, at the, they weren't the app people were using, right? It's not people spending more time in Teams and things or slowly transitioning to spending more time in Teams. And that internally at Microsoft, I think, was seen as a very big threat and which nobody else cares about. Like, come on, guys, like figure it out, right? The Mm -hmm. outside world doesn't care about that stuff. But internally, I think they definitely did. And I think moving this under Jeff will mean that we get more of the goodness that he wanted to do in Teams or with an application in front of people that he wasn't able to pull off because Teams was in a separate org. And so now he gets more 
more say in that. So I think it's actually really good for for all end users ultimately that we'll get more goodness in more goodness in teams over time, and the products will work better together and things like that because of it. So I'm pretty I'm pretty positive about it actually. I think it I think it'll be a great move. And I tweeted yesterday, and I know that this is kind of far out there, and some people will be like, "What the hell are you talking about?" But like, I think that battlefront shifts now between Outlook and Outlook and Teams. That's my uh, what the hell Outlook's are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Outlook is not owned by um, by Jeff, and it's often its own little land. I think it's owned by the Exchange Team. Anyway. Yeah, they fight for eyeballs. I mean, that's just the way it works inside Microsoft. They're, it's about attention and who who can get the more users and all that sort of stuff. It's kind of sad, but we'll it'll see. Be, it'll be interesting to see where, like, what comes of this in about a year or so. I know we had we had a chat offline about it. No, no, there was like, I see this in the next five to ten years. I'm like, I think you're freaking crazy. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got different opinions on this too, but I mean, I think it's a it's not a bad move. You know, I didn't think about it from the point of view of what you just said, and I, I agree with what you said. So, yeah, I, I think I'm I'm going to adopt your attitude on this in terms of being a positive thing. Is it definitely does seem like a positive thing? Listen to listen to what you had to say. Yeah, I, I remember fights about things like when I was on the team, we tried to get integrated commenting and stuff hooked into the versioning system and and SharePoint baked into the Office clients, right? So you could you can create version notes and all that, and as you checked it in, and like literally like three weeks before. The code went gold. The Word and PowerPoint and Excel teams pulled that code out of their apps and said, you're not shipping this as part of our applications. And that was just internal org BS, right? And so I look forward to less of that friction between Teams and SharePoint. Thank yeah, you. there definitely will be less friction because, I mean, this now they all report the same guy. So exactly. <laughs> that's a big deal. So but this yeah. change also had some other big changes too that they, that they talked about. I know that there was um, Windows merged to where Windows... Like operating system and Windows devices, like Surface, were two separate groups. Now they've been merged together under Panos. Yeah. So that will be I, the first thing that crossed my mind when that happened was like, man, if I was an OEM partner, I'd be pissed about that. Mm. Like, I mean, Microsoft used to be the Switzerland, right? It used to be they had the OS, but they didn't have the hardware. And so all partners were kind of on level footing. Mm-hmm. But now you've got the guy who's in charge of Windows, also in charge of the hardware stuff at Microsoft. If I was one of those OEMs, I'd be like, yeah, they're going to start making some choices that suit them more than us mm. and some favoritism there and things. So that was a bit odd, I thought. I mean, it, it makes sense, right? Apple don't have this problem, right? Well, you know, <laughs> you are that- known for great hardware and software, better together kind of thing. I, you know, you said that. I was, just about, I was just about to bring up a topic that in years past, things were much more open. Well, they were, you know, they were, Microsoft got in trouble with antitrust stuff, and then things just kind of got open for a while. People that make devices sure do seem like they're closing ranks a lot more. Apple is much more closed. Google is much more closed when it comes to like some of the stuff that they do. Microsoft is becoming a little more closed with, mm. or at least using their position for anti-competitive type stuff or stuff that is not as competitive. I know we've started to see some antitrust investigations pop up like over in the European Union. I wonder if we're going to see a lot more of that coming down the pipe. Can you imagine back in the 90s if Microsoft suddenly made a shift and said Windows and our Windows operating system and our hardware teams are now sort of one and the same, how much sketchiness that would have created. It, well, you already, been, we already talked about what, went, two, 
two weeks ago when they decided to start changing your default browser on Chrome yeah. and they haven't yeah. really, they haven't rolled that back. I haven't seen any news about that. Somebody asked me about that on, on Twitter this morning. That's a really good point. Yeah. I haven't seen anything about that since that all that news popped up and everyone started going apeshit over it. But yeah. I'm surprised they're sticking their guns on this one. Me too. That is surprising actually. That was a shocker. Oh shoot. I gotta go. I gotta renew a cert. That's what the <laughs> guys should have done. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was uh, news, but I was holding on to this one. <laughs> Good. Hey, that was a great way to intro. I was like, really? You've got it? Oh, snap. You got me. <laughs> hey, guys. On February the 3rd of this week, just three days ago, did your teams break? Yep, it did for everybody. Why? Because apparently on Monday, the day after the Super Bowl, everyone took what Fox Sports said and said, make it a Super Monday and don't go into work. Well, some poor engineer at Microsoft Teams apparently did that and... A cert forgot to be renewed. Wait a second. Surprise. <laughs> I wonder oh, if... Oh, dear. I had... I, you know, there's just sometimes it's just you people do stuff and you wonder like, this has happened multiple times with Microsoft and it's like, you would think that somebody would learn from their mistake. And the funny I'm thing... I'm going to start a $100 million business and it will be called CJ Suite Cert Reminder Service and it will just be me and a $5 diary, and a phone. And that's it. Uh, <laughs> and each day, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to look four pages ahead in my diary, and I'm going to call Microsoft and say, bro, <laughs> it's time to renew a cert. <laughs> I mean, I get it. There are lots of certs. There are probably thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of the things. But you got to wonder, isn't there a thing that, like, Surely these companies, you have a cert reminder service that like bugs people and tells people there's something going to about slip through the cracks here. It, you got to wonder. It I, happens so frequently. It happens so frequently. And I, I mean, I had a joke on there. It's like, yeah, I really wish it was easy to tell when a cert was going to expire. Like, you know, they publish the expiration date. Oh, they do. My bad. Oh, they do. There's actually a website you can go to where you can, for your own domain names, like you can sign up for like an alert service where it'll it'll ping your website and check the cert and watch its expiry date. And then it'll start emailing you and reminding you. For anybody listening who has this problem themselves, I have as, a, I have as well. And uh, I've had this problem. And so, yeah, this is a service you can go sign up for and it'll remind you. You know what's funny about it? Is that Microsoft has a service like that that they use over at Azure. It's just my understanding was that Teams wasn't using it. Maybe that's why they got moved to Deepest Org. <laughs> The final straw was Monday. <laughs> Call him up on Monday afternoon. Hey, Teeper, do you want teams? Sure. Guess what? News comes out on Wednesday. <laughs> I do have some good news, though. Okay, great. Yep. What do you got? Microsoft will now pay up to $20,000 for Xbox Live security exploits. Nice. King, you think you can make some money on security exploit faster than you can with Tesla stock this past week? Now you can. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Tesla's on a tear. Yeah, we've been talking about that this week. I feel like, I don't know, I need to make a second life as a Tesla day trader. <laughs> but um, yeah, look, I don't know. 20 grand doesn't seem like a lot. It takes quite a lot of effort to find these holes. Like 20K doesn't seem like a huge payday. I guess for some like pimply teenage hacker and wherever, you know, some super genius hacker dude, it might be a, significant amount of money, but like, I don't know, for researchers and stuff, you know, like 
a lot of people putting effort into this. I don't, I don't suspect that's a particularly large payday, but hey, at least they've got a bug bounty on it or whatever. I think it's not a huge payday, but when you look at everybody, what everybody else pays, I mean, Tesla pays 10 grand. Oh, really? Yeah, Tesla pays 10 grand. I think Google pays 10 grand as well. Huh. So 20 grand, 20 grand's up pretty, there. So it stands out. Okay, well, that's good. That's really good. They offer on their cloud computing service, uh, cloud computing service Azure, where the value for specific, a specific bug can net up to $300,000. Sorry, Azure may pay a bit more. <laughs> no, but I read this. <laughs> <laughs> From 20K to 300K, that really does sound like the Tesla stock price. <laughs> yeah, if you somehow gain admin access to an Azure Security Lab account, which is closely controlled, you can net up to 300 grand. Ooh, yeah. I might That'd let a few uh, expire while I go work on this for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just as well I downloaded all those SSH keys before I left Microsoft. I start go cashing some in. I'm just I'm kidding. Yeah, don't come after the podcast, Microsoft. He, he didn't do that. Uh, just kidding. Nobody uses SSH there. <laughs> anyway, on to other news. Speaking of Azure, actually, the CIA has opened up competition for a lucrative cloud contract that they have with Amazon currently. Mm. They have a $600 million contract that was awarded to Amazon in 2013, and they're opening it up for competitive bidding, I think, or at least open to other bidders as they renew that contract. Hmm. Here, I don't know, I'm going to be outrageous and say, this is when the house of cards starts falling for Amazon with government contracts, you know, because they've had sort of a, like, they lost Jedi recently. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to lose this. You know, like it's, I don't know, is the tide turning on, on AWS a little bit? That first mover advantage is starting to wear a bit off, wear off a bit, and I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens, but I mean, opening it up for bids like this, I'd say Microsoft will be very aggressive in winning it, much like with Jedi, I suspect. Mm-hmm. And it's no longer just a de facto choice. You know, Amazon have had that privilege in the past of being the kind of the de facto choice because they were like, they had first mover advantage. Now this is being, you know, put to bid, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Oh, listen to this. If this doesn't read like a Microsoft wrote the RFP, I don't know what does. <laughs> Bidders will be judged on a range of factors, including their global reach, innovation, and operational excellence. So global reach, Microsoft wins. They've got more data centers than anybody. Innovation, mm, I don't know. Arguably, both sides there, I don't know. Operational excellence, I don't know. So long as you don't take a dependency on Azure AD, you should be good. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say... Let's just roll back that security, that certificate comment a few minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, it's just Teams. It's not Azure, right? So it should be solid. Yeah. I hope um, Azure used the cert renewal service thingy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was built for internal. It doesn't, it doesn't work for, you can't use it outside, but Check yeah. that out. Contracts could be up to 15 years in length with a five-year base period and then two five-year renewals. Man, that's... Damn, that's a big deal. Yeah. That's big. That's like taking out leases on buildings, right? That's like... So we have a friend that was involved with the Jedi, winning the Jedi Project. Yeah. Not going to call him out on the show, but I'm just going to send him some coffee and just say, I'm thinking about you as this big... As I'm sure you'll probably be involved in making the pitch. <laughs> ding, ding, round two. I can just imagine the account manager. Just get those dudes in who won the Jedi contract. Let's just... <laughs> <laughs> 
let's just roll with those guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Hey, uh, I got a bit of an update here. Back in June of 2016, Microsoft bought or acquired LinkedIn. The news mm. broke when this happened. This, the news broke on June the 20, June the 14th of 2016. Just one month past the three and a half year anniversary of that. It looks like the former CEO of uh, LinkedIn, Jeff Weiner, Weiner, how do you say that? Weiner. Weiner. Jeff Weiner needs to go Weiner. update his LinkedIn profile because he's stepping down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder. It sounds awfully a lot like golden handcuffs came off. That's why I just phrased this one month past the three and a half year mark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't remember what the date was when they closed when they um, they closed the acquisition, but it was announced in June of 2016. So it wouldn't surprise me if it took six months to close. I thought it was going to close by the end of that year, wasn't it? So that would be two. That would be two years or three years. So three years. Certainly sounds like a nice round number. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, I don't blame him. He can go run into the hills with his billions of dollars now. Ah, yep. They closed it at the end of 2016, so about six months later. So that's a three-year three year and one-month anniversary. So three golden handcuffs. Yeah, hmm. there you go. Congratulations, Yeah, Jeff. They've actually done, as far as acquisitions go, it's gone surprisingly well for Microsoft. And I'd say it's the first large, successful acquisition that they've done, commercially yeah. successful. So what kind of integration is there with Microsoft? Because they're treated as their own company. They just kind of do things on their own, on the side on their own. Yeah. They, I mean, the Agarol. money, my French, the, not much. Yeah, it commercially, commercially, it's been really successful for Microsoft, though. They've been growing at like 30-something percent a year, and it's grown from, I can't remember how many billions it was you know, God, it's quite funny when you talk about just a handful of billions. <laughs> yeah, they've been growing rapidly though. So commercially, it's been a huge, huge success for Microsoft, I think. But mm -hmm. yeah, your point on technical integration has been lagging for sure. I remember but seeing... I don't know if that was their goal. Like, I'm, I'm not really not sure. I remember that there was a lot of fear when this came out that Microsoft has all of your organizational data. And then by buying LinkedIn, they're also now going to have access to the same data that you use to go find another job. And so a company, is that now like a conflict? And how do you make sure you firewall those things where there's my data and my organizational data and keep them separate? I mean, the two companies have been operating completely independently. The benefits from LinkedIn, they, they trickle up to Microsoft's financial results. So, I mean, you're right. They've, they've done a good job with it. But I mean, the, there's, not much, there's not much integration. It's just buy it. You guys just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, they're starting to do some in office, right? But it's not a, not a huge amount. Mm. I've got a really interesting article. I'm going to just mention it really, really quickly. Mm. It's called, Today the Trident Era Ends. Trident was the rendering engine for IE, codenamed Trident. And it's been around for decades at this point. Anyway, this guy, Christian, Christian Schaefer, I think his name is. Yeah, Schaefer wrote a really long article about the history of IE, effectively, and the history of Trident and how it all came to be and kind of how things have ended up the way they've ended up on the web and how Trident has actually played quite a significant part in pushing things we just take for granted today that it gets a bit of a bum rap for. So things like ActiveX and all that sort of stuff. 
and how it all came to be and just really interesting background about would we have React today if it weren't for IE putting the MSXML stuff into IE mm-hmm. and kicking off the whole Ajax movement and all that sort of stuff. So anyway, I won't go through it all because it's really long, but it talks about a bunch of stuff about the object tag and XML and DOMs and JSON and rendering and tagging, like different tags and how they came to be and just really interesting background stuff that you're like, that's fascinating about how that all came to came to be. This is interesting. I, of course, I jumped to the very end. I saw the section what led to IE's downfall. And yeah, one yeah. of the things that I wasn't aware of, this is this is interesting. Yeah, it's a fascinating read and he spent quite a bit of time on the team and, and things from what I understand. So he's got a lot of really good inside goss on it. And some of the background about some of the weird decisions they've made, some of the really good ones, things that led that they don't get credit for that other browsers now obviously take for granted and stuff like that. But they were kind of leading the charge back in the day. So you get a bum rap for it these days. But uh, yeah, definitely worth a read if you're into that sort of background. You weren't kidding either that this is long. I just threw it in my pocket just to see how long the estimated reading time was. It's like 30 minutes. Like, holy crap, this is a... Yeah, it's pretty decent. And there's a lot of like screenshots and things of different stuff that you know you can dig into and read as it, for examples. But yeah, it's nice. It's a great post. Good SEO juice for that guy. Yeah. Okay, should we move on to some um, SharePoint news? I've got a couple of little bits and pieces here. Fire away. These are your the first one is, so you know how Microsoft's been rabbiting on about modern SharePoint for like the last two years? Mm-hmm. Microsoft has finally moved Microsoft Web, or MSW as it's called, which is its front page of its internal intranet. Apparently, it has moved to modern SharePoint. Yeah. And um, I actually think this really goes to show a couple of things. One, that it takes a while for things from Microsoft to be ready for large organizations to adopt. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> takes what, regardless of what they say, right? That's usually the case. And, and two, that, that Mon's come quite a long way since it launched, that they could do this now versus back when, you know, a couple of years ago when they first started talking about it. So, um, yeah, MS Web. I don't know what it looks like now. I don't think they've got a, a proper screenshot. They're talking about a big part of it being targeting for people, that that was like targeting news and things that people was a big part of it. So I really don't know the details beyond that. But yeah, there's no decent screenshot of MS Web, but I remember the old version or the number of the old incarnations of it mm-hmm. from full big time, full trust code solution to more cloud-based stuff. Mm. Anyway, so they moved to modern. You can too. (laughs) Also, the UN managed to get hacked via SharePoint. Oops. I I stumbled across this post, uh, I think last week, and it said that in the summer of 2019, hackers broke into over 40 UN servers in the offices in Geneva and Vienna and downloaded sensitive data that could have far-reaching repercussions for staff, individuals, and organizations, blah, blah, blah. Apparently, there was a unpatched on-premises SharePoint server that was widely exploited and they didn't patch. To the cloud. To the cloud. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Something went wrong. Yeah. The guy that was supposed to do the SSL renewals was also on holiday and couldn't patch the servers either. (laughs) Bad air. Oh, well. Yeah. Everybody makes mistakes. Yes. Anyway, that's our SharePoint news. 
ACS Voitanos delivers on-demand video-based training for developers on the latest SharePoint extensibility model from Microsoft in his course, Mastering the SharePoint Framework. Back to the show. All right, AC, let's wrap this up with a bit of fun. What have you got for us this week with picks? Well, I originally was going to use the pick of the old man with all the Google phones that hacked Google Maps. But now I'm seeing that article since I found it. I'm seeing that article showing up on everybody's feed. So I don't think it's much news there. Okay. That was pretty funny, though. Like, full credit to that guy. Yeah, <laughs> for those of you, yeah, for those of you who missed it, I'm not even going to put the link up there because all you got to do is look for old guy with a wagon and a bunch of phones and Google Maps. He stuck 99 phones in a little radio flyer wagon and walked around a bridge in a little area. And um, he made it look like uh, traffic was at a complete standstill with Google Maps um, showing like this whole bridge and other stuff that just two, mu- two to three miles an hour. But when you look at all the pictures he took, there was like no cars on the road. So it's kind of funny. That was, that was pretty good. I, I quite, a, for crea- a for creativity. I found this article the other day by Robert Heaton as a, software engineer and got a, he's got a little bit of a security bend on him as a uh, pretty good developer, or at least from the way he did this stuff, sure, it does look like a pretty good developer. So what he did, he's got one of those Wacom tablets. So Wacom tablets, you, know, you plug them into your laptop and it's a way for you to draw on, it's like a, you know, think yeah. about like a connected iPad or something. Yeah, my daughter has one for drawing. Oh, cool. So it's a fairly good long post, but... He decided, just out of the blue, when he rebuilt his machine, plugged it in, went to go install the drivers, there was a privacy policy. They had to, he had to accept. He's like, wait a minute, what, why do I have to accept to a privacy policy for Wacom? What are they doing with my data? And so he started to go in, kind of poke around, look at some stuff, and then he found this one part where it says, he quoted it, and there's a whole bunch of stuff in there, but, and basically when you, when you looked at the, the text of the privacy policy, it was kind of like, that's a bit ambiguous. What are you doing? Mm. Long story, a little bit shorter. He goes through all the details of how he used Wireshark and this tool called Burp Suite, which is kind of like Fiddler, but it's a little more advanced. Security researchers do. Come to find out that he was sending stuff, that Wacom was sending stuff over to Google Analytics. And the more he dug deeper and deeper and deeper, that Wacom tablets detect and watch every single app that you open and use and send all of that stuff back to Wacom. And the funny part about it was that he wrote this whole thing, fairly long article, and he kind of put it away. He said, I finished this first draft of this article three weeks ago. I set it up again so that I could grab some final screenshots and it didn't work. Everything was pretty much done. He's like, huh. And just kind of was like, oh, you know, should I just pretend I didn't see this and just post it anyway? And he's like, now let me go see what's going on. And he found an error that came back or a message that came back and it said analytics disabled either locally or from server kill switch. And he's like, did they figure out what was going on? He waited a little bit longer, checked it again. And basically it goes, he goes back in, decides to wait till the end of the month before doing anything in case the data was used for generating monthly reports. He hopped on January the 31st. He hoped that on January 31st, Wacom would notice that their graphs were broken and bring their system back online. On February 3rd, he checked it and he was elated at what he saw. Just came back and it just has this message that says, Hi, Rick. He's no idea who Rick was, but he's glad he's back. Wacom is illeg- Wacom was illegitimately siphoning off his personal date again. And I, he said, I couldn't be happier. I grabbed some better screenshots, fixed some grammar, hit publish. The rest is history. It's interesting. Huh. That's curious. Yeah. 
he talks about, you know, why should I care about this? And he goes, just because I just, I got pissed about somebody taking my data and not asking me about it. He said, just in principle, I was like, I don't like that. So I found the technical side of it interesting. I'm not as much of this like personal data. Oh, God, I got to think of a better way to say this. I was going to say, I'm not much of a personal data privacy kind of person. I don't get bent out of shape about it. Like I think a lot of like this outrage culture seems to these days. Yeah, you're like, not overly paranoid about it. Yeah. yeah, I'm not overly paranoid about it. I just, I love these things that just go on the technical side. Like how did he figure this out? Yeah, that's really cool. Like people snooping around. Mm-hmm. That's uh, yeah, that's a good one. How about you? Um, for those of you listening who have kids, I got a pick for you. It's called Small Basic. Have you heard of this? I have not. It's from Microsoft. Microsoft Small Basic. Every kid can code. If you want to get your kids into coding, Microsoft have a tool or an application, I suppose you can call it, called Small Basic. And um, the premise is to get your kids moving from code-based programming to text-based coding, right? So not just drag and drop blocks for logic and flow and all that sort of stuff, but actually writing code. And it's really it's really simple programming, basically. And so it's you can download the app. It sort of looks a bit ghetto, actually. It looks like a WPF app, actually, all the controls. It probably is. And you can go get them doing a bunch of different exercises and all this sort of stuff. It's, it's pretty cool. I just stumbled across it somehow. And uh, I want to try our kids out with it. So, um, yeah, I just thought I'd share that. It's lots of tutorials and things and about writing loops and doing various problem solving with math and array, introducing them to arrays and while loops and conditionals and all that sort of stuff. Pretty sweet. This is pretty cool. One thing that's kind of interesting here with this is like, he's got two sections on the side of the site or whoever this, whoever's put this up, there's two sections on the side of the site. One of them is announcements and one of them is forum posts. Everything looks like it's about small basic, except for one of the forum posts that's showing up on the screen, which is, is there a free version of Power BI? I want to write back to that one thing, like going, in case you click on this, like, and you're going for small basic, like, no, it's not that hard. Don't go into the Power BI. <laughs> interesting. The other thing that cracks me up is its URL. Small basic hyphen public website dot Azure websites dot net. Like, really? Somebody forgot to put the C name out. <laughs> you couldn't get a small basic dot Microsoft dot com. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, go try it out. I haven't actually tried it yet. I've just read through a bunch of the things and uh, I'm going to get our kids giving it a nudge. If you go to smallbasic.com, it redirects to smallbasic.publicwebsite.azurewebsites.net. It's like someone doesn't know how to do a custom domain name on Azure websites. Or can you not do that with yeah. the free account? Uh, I don't know, actually. I haven't looked at that recently. Wait, but this is a Microsoft thing. Yeah. That... The help is sbhelp at microsoft.com. So, yeah, it's a Microsoft employee or team of people who've done it. Huh. Don't know. Yeah. I mean, I know how to do that internally at Microsoft. If whoever is listening to this, make this site, let me know and I'll tell you how to go get a custom, custom domain name at Microsoft and point it at an Azure website. I did that a few times. Yeah. Anywho. So, yeah, that's my one. Cool. Small basic. Awesome. Yeah. All right, AC. Well, we will. Tune in again next week. Thanks for covering with Rackley last week. That was a, that was that was good. I've seen it pop up in my feed, and I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to the whole thing. Rec, uh, wait, last week was Teams Dev with Victor Whelan and, and Paul Schaefline. Oh gosh, I've got the wrong person. <laughs> my apologies. No, yeah, you're right. All good. I was watching you doing Facebook video with Mark Rackley about ah. your SPFX stuff, and uh, that's what why his name was in front of mind. All good. Not a worry. Thank you very much, CJ. Great show. Great links. 
great news. Yeah, good to catch up. See you next week. Did you like this episode? Please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in your favorite podcast app. It helps people find out about our show and grow our audience, and we'd really appreciate it. If you have a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com forward slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as a wave or MP3 and provide us a link so we can play it on the show. You can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or your podcatcher of choice. And finally, sign up for our mailing list by heading over to microsoftcloudshow.com, where you'll get notices of each episode, as well as the show notes sent to you directly each week. We'll be back with a new episode next week. Thanks for listening.